at Jared. We know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, return to TBT Sweet 16 thing week, I guess. Yeah. That's right. We, we could make a joke about Syracuse and the Sweet 16, but it doesn't really apply anymore. Um, our new thing is miss the tournament and go to the Final Four. Yeah, we are, are definitely a, a uh, more uh, high-variance team as of late. Yeah, we are. We are, we are one of those home run hitters uh, from yesteryear that would either that would hit 220 but hit 45 home runs, and you were fine with it. They'd also strike out 160 times. Yeah, I mean, those are kind of coming back around, so you can just say we're a very modern uh, baseball player as basketball program. Yeah, we are the Aaron Judge of, of college basketball. Take sure. That. We'll go with that for sure. Yeah. Definitely accurate. Anyway. Um, all right. Dan, a few things to talk about before we preview the Big Ten in the second half of the podcast. So please, everyone, stick around until the second half or stick around for the entire second half if you want to hear us make fun of Rutgers and, uh, and say things about Michigan men and, and, uh, and other things of that nature. Okay. Um, so last week, ACC football kickoff. Uh, we talked about that a bunch last week. Um, and the results of some of those, the votes that were logged came in this week. Um, Eric Dungy finished sixth in, uh, in voting for Player of the Year. Two people, um, we, I could, I, I'm sure I could guess who they are, um, logged votes for him as ACC Player of the Year. Um, that's fine, whatever. Um, but for the ACC, all-ACC preseason team, um, Syracuse had zero players on the first team there was only a first team um created um in the uh the acc media days uh after the season there is a uh there is three teams total plus an all-rookie team there's an honorable mention group there's a lot more players honored there but here uh we're just dealing with the one first team so again no syracuse players which probably irked a bunch but um, I know I called it on the blog. A bunch of guys uh, also received votes. Um, Dan, was there anyone specifically that you felt um, should have been honored with a uh, with an All ACC first team nod? Uh, honestly, not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I think the votes, the guys who did get a lot of votes, which are like Er Phillips twenty four and Zaire Franklin thirty three and, and Sterling Hopper thirty one. So, like, those last two especially would have probably been, like, second teams if there were second teams in this thing. Um, I thought those were all appropriate. Like, I, I don't know that anyone on the Syracuse team is trashing uh, an all-ACC team uh, based on what they did last year. But it was nice to see some of the guys competitive and some other guys getting some inter- interesting votes where the, they probably didn't need them. Um, but overall, like, I think it's hard to take too many uh, gripes considering, you know, the team was 4-8 last year. Like, the, there were some, some bright spots for sure, and I think we're all excited about 
uh, Franklin and Phillips and, and Steve Ishmael had nine votes, and he, you know, that should be a nice receiving uh, tandem. But um, to say that, like, one of them got snubbed, I think would be inaccurate. Oh, 100%. And obviously you and I are, are usually on the same page with things like this. Um, as far as receiver, yeah, like I because of who got the, the three spots, uh, Deion Kane, Amon Richards, um, and Cam Phillips, I'm fine with those three. If, uh, if Hunter Renfro had gotten in, I probably would have been a little bit more annoyed. Um, in general, I would have probably liked to see Irv among the top three to, f- well, probably four or five vote getters. Um, he ended up, what do we decide? One, two, three, four, five. I think seven. Seven. So, yeah, I mean, I don't love him being below Renfro. I guess I'm okay with him being behind Jalen Smith and Naquan Murray. Um, in any case, these votes don't matter. So, please. Renfro is helped by having uh, that big game rep. Yeah, the, the, the big game rep and, I don't know, the fact that he... He makes an impact on special teams, and that counts for him, but not for Irv. Or no. The Alabama killer. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway. I mean, he has legitimately had two amazing games against Alabama, which is is hilarious and uh, a thing that, that has happened now twice. Um, Nick Saban just can't. He's, he can't game plan for Hunter Renfro. And who can, really? Appar- <laughs> apparently everyone except uh, Nick Saban, which is odd. Um <clears throat> Some other guys. Oh, um, I guess I was fine with Zaire. I honestly thought Zaire is probably like a fringe second team, maybe a third team guy at the end of the season. That's no knock on Zaire. It's just how it goes. I actually think the ACC has a lot of really good um, linebackers this year. Um, the one guy who I thought could potentially be squeezed into the first team um, would be Sterling Hoffrichter, uh, who I feel probably is if not the best punter, it's very close already. Um, he's, his star has risen maybe quicker than Riley Dixon's, if only because Riley Dixon set the stage for him, uh, just like Rob Long set the stage for Riley Dixon. Um, punter legacy is real. Uh, Syracuse will own this position till the end of time now. Yeah, and to be fair, I don't know A.J. Cole. Uh, the, fir- the I guess he was the first-place vote-getter uh, with two votes ahead of Sterling Hoffrichter. I don't know him from Adam, so um, looking at his numbers, like he had you know, a 41.3 average, which is fine. He had a 72 lawn, which doesn't really tell you a lot. I don't know what his net was because ESPN does not have great in-depth punting stats on their player pages. Um, such garbage. I, 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 I still use them a little bit if I just need a quick hit statistic, but I, I use CFB stats more and more. Yeah, CFB stats is great. Um, do they have punting stats though? Uh, not for everybody, but for some. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe I'll go. Maybe while we're we're, we're doing this here, I'll find the uh, the net punting average, which all all punt heads know is is the real <laughs> stat to go by. Um, Hoffrichter was uh, was a full like yard yard plus ahead of uh, Cole last year in terms of just raw punting data, uh, and punted a lot more. Um, I think a lot so, of this is just the North Carolina bias. I would assume that that sixty five percent at least of the attendees are probably in the state of North Carolina at this point. So, just like we haven't really heard of AJ Cole much, they probably haven't heard of Hoffrichter, despite having a more notable name. Yeah, and uh, you, I, I think that's a, probably a fair a fair um, assumption there. I mean, Cole, like generally, like. It, 
I'm if we were one of those teams in that state, like we'd probably be more aware of of those schools just by inertia versus, uh, like yeah, you kind of have to go out of your way to know who Syracuse's punter is. Right. Like I'm looking at the the overall votes, and again, I, I hate that we're going to do this, but we're doing this. Um, three of the top five vote getters were from the state of North Carolina. Two of the top three, um, and all four North Carolina punters. Um, received nine votes or more. If only we had our own media figures to, uh, you know, stack the ballot boxes for players that probably don't deserve it. Oh, wait, they did. <laughs> oh, wait, Dante Strickland, who averaged, like, barely three yards a Terry, got two votes. If anything, I would have been fine with Mo Neal, who could have actually swayed voters in-state because he's from North Carolina. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, just a quick note on that. Um, Sean Riley, who, whatever, uh, received five votes, which means he did sway some people outside of Syracuse. Um, we saw uh, Antoine Cordy had, I believe, two votes. Um, that's actually fine, though you could probably think of a lot better safeties based on last year's production. Uh, no offense to Antoine. Um, thankfully, no cornerbacks were picked. Um, Paris Bennett had two votes. I think that's fair there's some people that could probably make the case i mean him and zaire did collect over 100 tackles last year so there's that there is a leg to stand on when you're talking about our linebackers a position that's been pretty strong now for over a decade uh without really any interruption which i'm a fan of um defensive tackle is a bit more egregious uh chris slayton had one vote um and again without naming names we know who did it um no defensive ends, thankfully. No offensive anything on the line. Um, and then, yeah, receiver. These weren't egregious at all. Um, Ishmael had nine votes because I think a lot of people um, had voted for him last year, and there were quite a few uh, probably voted for him this year, realizing that you know he has a lot of breakout potential and could really uh, do a nice job replacing uh, Ambad Atawo. Um, but, yeah, Strickland is, is, is the other probably egregiously – just, just what kind of kind of vote logged here? All right, I'm uh, now. Now we're just gonna go full Syracuse here for a second. <laughs> I have the stats, and neither Syracuse nor NC State has their net punting stats on their uh, 2016 stat book. So we're gonna go with everything else we have here. Sterling Hoffrichter punted 77 times for an average of 42.7 yards a punt. Uh, he only in 77 punts. Only had three touchbacks. He punted the ball over 50 yards 23 times. He uh, killed it inside the 20, 24 times. A.J. Cole punted 51 times, so a lot fewer than Sterling Hoffrichter. Uh, 20, 25, 26 fewer, in fact. Um, actually had two more touchbacks, which is not desirable, uh, unless you're just booming it. So it's a little contextual, but whatever. Um, inside the 20, only 16 times, eight fewer than Hoffrichter. Uh, 50 plus 9 versus 23 for Hoffrichter. So I'm going to go ahead and say, based on the, the evidence in front of us, Sterling Hoffrichter got royally screwed by the biased ACC media. I mean, Dan, I'm, I'm going to pitch you on this quick. Um, <laughs> while I know that you're not allowed to legally write for us, <laughs> at the same time, there is no way in hell that your main employer is ever ever going to let you write this article for them i i feel like you've got i'm so tempted you've got the passion you've got the fire here 
if you want to like queue up a post where I'm not the sole uh, the sole byline, I can probably get you a paragraph of 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 hot fire somewhere. Yeah, we we'll talk about this offline. Because <laughs> now there's I need to find the net punting average so I don't look like an idiot. But we'll, we'll, we're we're gonna get there. I, I have a long night ahead of me. I mean, if he's already won every other metric, I don't really see the problem here anymore. No, this is this is just complete scandal. I think we should go back to the Big East. Yeah, better place for us for sure. <laughs> no. If I can't find this, if someone can direct me to net punting stats for last year from uh, ACC football, let me know. It's not even on the ACC's website? I haven't looked there. I was looking at Syracuse and NC State's websites. I feel like the ACC's website would be the only place that would have it. Maybe. Our search continues then. Anyway. Um, okay. Other things we want to talk about today, since we've definitely said quite a bit about the All-ACC team. Um, oh. Eric Dungy continues to uh, rack up awards. Um, he was named to the Maxwell Award watch list last week. Um, I know Athlon was actually pretty complimentary of him this year. Uh, named him, I think, third team All-ACC. All I don't know if Phil Steele's released his ACC teams yet. If he has, I'm sure he's probably third or fourth team, uh, depending on what they felt about Daniel Jones or Ryan Finley. Um, but yeah, today slash... Yesterday, for those listening, um, he was named the Davy O'Brien Award. Uh, that's handed out to the uh, top quarterback in the country. Um, so, yeah, that's a very good thing. Davy O'Brien went to uh, TCU, I believe. And, you know, another one of those, those, those wacky awards named after random people. Um, another wacky award has the, the Mackey Award, hasn't released its watch list yet, right? I mean, not really we're going to have anybody on it, but it is named for former Syracuse tight end John Mackey. I'm sure the same conversation we're having here about Davey O'Brien um, is, is, is had on podcasts around the country when they, uh, when they look at, you know, Mackey's background and think, oh, Syracuse, that's random. So just some, uh, the more you know. Yeah, I, I look forward. What's the center award? The the uh, Remington or Remington? Remington, yeah. I enjoy the Remington because they put like literally over half of the starting centers in the country on it. Which people get really pissed off about these watch lists and stuff. Like they're harmless. I mean, there's a lot of stupid things college football does. This is like stupid, but in a different way. Like watch lists don't harm anybody. I mean, the watch list committees. Um, paying probably quite a few salaries and, and, and getting to get you know their, their foundation members and all that to free games that, that, that you can complain about but yeah I don't really see the point of complaining about like harmless watch lists listing you know upwards of 80 players for these no I mean it's it, you do a, it's, a, it's a PR move which is fine because it's a preseason watch list and who cares um, but they you know like to get as many uh, people talking about them as they can earlier in the year because they have things they need to do. So whatever works for them, I'm not going to get too uh, outraged about it. Um, I, I'm, I'm coming very close to finding the net punting averages here, so stay tuned, everyone. The quest continues. Um, all right, a couple more things since we're, we're, about, we're about a quarter of the way through the podcast. Um, oh, uh, Irvin Phillips, since we're talking about awards. 
um, ended up on the uh, Bolitnikov Award uh, watch list. If, uh, for those who, who recall, uh, Amba Etatawo found himself uh, as a semifinalist for that award last year. However, um, he did not make it to the, uh, the, the top three. I thought that was pretty bogus. Uh, we all thought that was probably pretty bogus. Um, the same people who voted for that probably had some things to say about um, him and his candidacy around the country for a few different teams. I know he was an All-American, um, but there were a lot of people that just did not really give him the, uh, the benefit of the doubt. Um, I don't like it, Dan. A um, couple other awards. Uh, Zach Mahoney found himself on the All-State uh, Good Hands team. That was for uh, community service. Uh, Zach Mahoney was also on another team. What was it? This is this is amazing radio. We're making up for the fact that we uh, that we got better audio for once by making just terrible conversation. Uh, Zach Mahoney was nominated for oh the Werfel Trophy, another. Uh, Trophy acknowledging folks who are very good at uh, serving their community. So good for you, Zach. Um, but yeah, we can switch gears a little bit. Um, I will note only, because there's really nothing to talk about, um, that Andy Routens has an amazing beard. Once again, he, uh, he's done a very nice job with that uh, since, uh, since going abroad. And then the last thing that we'll get really into to heavy, heavy detail on in the first half of this podcast, um, road trip rankings, Dan, which uh, I know is something something near and dear to your heart as much as it is mine. Yes, it is. Um, you still haven't found the net punting average, have you? I found the, all right. I found the team <laughs> net punting average for and and there's I I want to I'm a I am a a journalist and I want to make sure we have all the information. So I'm just telling you what we have here. Based on the net yards per punt average on the ACC website, um, which also lists regular average yards per punt. So AJ Cole is at like what? What do we say uh, per punt? He was at an average of forty-one point three. Yes. So as a team, NC State is at an average for last year of thirty-nine point seven. Meaning AJ Cole was not the only player to punt a football for NC State last year. I do not want to look into why that is the case. I don't care that much, uh, despite the fact that this is not the third time I'm bringing this up in the podcast. Probably so, coach kicks. All right, so fifty-three, one or two of those. Okay, so there were two there were two punts that were not AJ Cole. So I can't imagine they did that much to these two two punts brought down the average like two yards total, which actually means that someone shanked two punts. But whatever. As a team, NC State's average net punt was thirty-five point three, which was twelfth in the ACC. Not that impressive. Um, as a team, Syracuse's was thirty-eight point eight, which is fifth in the ACC. More impressive. So. A pretty much a, a pretty solid edge in every category, unless the two punts that were not AJ Cole from NC State were like both for like three yards, which is possible. But I'd say at worst, uh, AJ Cole did not have a better net punting average in Hoff Richter. Um, he it might have been closer than the three yard gap we have here. So I, I'm just saying the preponderance of evidence states that Sterling Hoff Richter was a better punter last year than AJ Cole. There you have it. Uh, Dan has been spitting fire for uh, for quite a bit here, and uh, 
Dan, you can you can throw those numbers on Slack because we're gonna have some things to say and some uh, some feathers to rustle tomorrow about this uh, this injustice to to Das Boot Part Two. Sterling. I will write at least 150 words about this. <laughs> I cannot wait. This is this is so in our lane. I feel like the off season really is the only time now that we really have an opportunity to be. To be the blog everybody knows and loves, and, and maybe that's a mea culpa on my part, but um, as I joked the other day during the Andy Routens post, like Syracuse just never stops having news about it. Like there, there's there's never a day, not one, that, that like something newsworthy doesn't happen. And and since I'm one of the only people writing about it um, on the blog at least, you just kind of got to take it. Either either we're going to talk about the important issues. Or we're going to talk about jokes and garbage all the time. You can't, you can't really, you can't really ride the middle here, unfortunately. And, and if you're listening to this, ask yourself, what is the actual brand of the site? Because we all know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, we we definitely do. Um, okay. So, ranking ourselves, um, at least a few of those. Uh, Road games. Luckily for us, Dan, this year there are only um, five. That's a plus. Probably makes everybody else happy. And and on top of there being only five road games, there are also seven home games and no MetLife contests. That will overjoy everybody out there. Um, Dan, both of us. No, sorry. Only you went to a road game last year, uh, which is abnormal. Uh, you went to. Talk I wish I hadn't. <laughs> I went to the Wake Forest game, which was played in in just the most dreary, horrible, borderline hurricane-like conditions. Um, it was bad. It was really bad. It's the, the worst the worst conditions I've ever sat through for a game. Which I mean, a lot of that is the fact that we had playing in a dome, and a lot of most of my college football experience has been in a dome. But I've been outdoors. I played football outdoors for seven years. Like this was the worst, <laughs> and you don't expect that when you go to North Carolina. Um, I played in the snow before. It's like it's kind of enjoyable sometimes. This was horrid, and there could not have been more than a couple thousand people there by the end of the game. The game itself was terrible. Obviously, Syracuse lost. Um, yeah, I've almost always enjoyed road trips for Syracuse games, even though we've lost the vast majority of the ones I've gone on. Um, this was just terrible, but that should not take away from your. Uh, enjoyment of going to others because they are a, a lot of fun. You get outside of your comfort zone in terms of like just the normal, we go to Fagans and then the Dome and then we hike back down Kraus and whatever like every day, which which is fun. I, I miss that, being able to do that every weekend. But going and experiencing like the other college football cultures and going to new places and, and meeting generally friendly host fans, like it's just a, a whole other like part of this college football uh, life that we all enjoy, and uh, I highly recommend it. So uh, if you can get out over the next couple, I mean, I, I I almost always have more fun on road trips just because it's such a different experience. And even if you lose, like that's only the game's really only like a, sw- a small chunk of it. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I think you know, like I actually. Syracuse won like a whole bunch of games in a row that I went to on the road for some reason. I don't really understand why, how. Mostly because they were playing bad teams. Um, but yeah, whatever. Um, 
Last year, for the first time in quite a while, I did not get myself to a Syracuse road game. I went to Washington versus Utah instead. Um, but yeah, for a while, I think the first the first road game they lost that I went to, I think was the NC State game um, a couple years ago. Because they won the Maryland game, the Wake Forest game that you and I both went to, um, the West Virginia game that we both went to, Pinstripe Bowl, obviously. Um, I think there was one more in there. But anyway, um, yeah, this year. Um, Dan, are you going to a, to a road game this year? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I was planning to go to LSU, and I mentioned it before, uh, a wedding on the way, unfortunately, a wedding that I'm in, uh, for a Syracuse person who had scheduled it to be the weekend after the LSU game, and then the LSU game got moved, so it really wasn't their fault. Um, yeah, so that that's out the window. Um, it's tough for me to get away during the year. Um, if I do, the problem is all these road games are like far too. Right. Uh, two are in my two are in Florida. One's at NC State, and one is at Louisville. Um, I don't know that I'm gonna be able to get to any of these, unfortunately. Yeah, for me, it's actually easier to get to the road games now that we're in the ACC. I mean, that makes sense. Because Syracuse is like one of the smaller markets in the league. Yeah, and like to be honest, it's about. Although, quick tangent. Last year I flew to New York for the ACC tournament, and the, uh, the jet stream got me there in three hours and 45 minutes from Los Angeles direct. That's wild. Which was just like the best jet stream ever. But uh, yeah, usually the jet stream can get me to, well, even a regular just kind of flight uh, without any jet stream help. I can get to Atlanta... Um, Miami or like the anything in the North Carolina area in probably like four, four and a half hours versus, again, Syracuse, which there will definitely be a stop. It'll definitely take me at least seven or eight hours to get there. So anyway, uh, like I said, this year I'll be going to LSU. It really was not a question for me. I know it wasn't for you until um, other things got in the way. Um, Dan, if you had to rank these uh, this year, I know... Uh, Texan Mark, the uh, the tailgating guru himself, um, did rank these a little bit differently than I would have because he has a whole rubric to go with it. Um, his rankings, before we get into ours, and we're going to be brief about, I think, all of this, but whatever. Um, his rankings that he even admits he would not necessarily agree with personally if he wasn't using the numbers he had Miami ranked first, LSU second, NC State third, uh, tied with Louisville, which was also third, and then uh, Florida State he had in at fifth. Um, Dan, how would you rank these without any sort of numbers going into it? Um, yeah, so when I do when I do a road trip, I'm like one of the last things I'm concerned about is Syracuse winning. Like I'd I'd rather Syracuse win, but I'm in it for almost everything else uh, first. Um, so LSU is supposed, especially if it's a night game, is supposed to be one of like the hollowed like can't miss experiences in college football, and it's just I, I there's a good chance that we will never play another series with them in our lifetimes. Honestly, hopefully. Um, we probably shouldn't be playing the one that we're in right now. Um, so, 
if you have to, I think you should make it, if you can go to it, like, you just don't know when you're going to see your team play there. The tailgating scene is supposed to be ridiculous. It's just such a different, like, even among the SEC, like, LSU is such a specific culture. Um, I think that has to be the move. Uh, plus, you can build a New Orleans trip. Uh, I don't think it's that far. It's what, What's Baton Rouge from New Orleans? Like, an hour-ish? Maybe two? Two-ish, just because I know we definitely looked that up when we uh, we made sure, because we're, we're staying in New Orleans for Wednesday and Thursday, and then we're driving up to Baton Rouge Friday. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be a night game, according to literally everyone I've talked to at this point. So uh, you're really only going to have to figure out what you're doing for one night in Baton Rouge. Um, problem is hotels and hotels proximity to the game, hotels proximity to the main drag and the campus. Um, we went the Airbnb route. I haven't looked since we booked, but if people haven't figured it out, it seems like a lot of people haven't yet, um, that could be an option for you is the Airbnb uh, route. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I've been using Airbnb more and more, and it's, it's uh, a nice alternative, especially when hotels are, are hard to come by, which I think probably for any like LSU home game is going to be the case if you have so many people to make them all over the state. Um, so after them, I think I would go with Miami just because of the scarcity of playing with them in the current uh, divisional alignment setup. Um, plus, it's in Miami, which you know you can give or take depending on who you are. But uh, you know it is a, a sunny location, and and what when is that game? Um, October. October. So right. So in, if you right in the middle of, of hurricane season. That's true. Although, although including the LSU game. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's true. But if you're in Syracuse, there's a good chance you already have snow. Uh. So escaping to South Beach is not the worst idea. Um, I don't know how winnable that game is either, because Miami is, you know, probably the preseason favorite in the Coastal. I forget how they people voted, um, but they should be pretty good. Um, they were, they were I don't. Actually. Yeah, I was pretty sure. Florida State um, fans were man, were sending around a uh, a very entertaining Photoshop uh, T-shirt of uh, Coastal Division favorites for Miami that's, today. That's that's pretty amazing. <laughs> We, sh- we, we of all people should not make fun of schools with t-shirt habits, but... Um, we're I'm, making I'm, a shirt if we beat LSU. I already told everybody yesterday. Oh, we might, be, we might make a shirt if we're up at halftime. <laughs> uh, I might as well spoil it now, because uh, I said it on Twitter publicly. Um, the t-shirt, if we beat LSU, will uh, we'll say uh, Louisianaxed. <laughs> uh, it'll have Ottoman Empire on the back. Uh, once again, I don't care what you think of that. It, what about what about Louisiana purchased? But then it feels like we bought the title. That's fine. It's college football. Yeah, that's true. It's also it, it can be a nice <laughs> joke about our uh, about whatever it is we've done with the YMCA. Oh God. Um, it would be better if this was a random one-off like Bayam game, like the Mizzou game. Because then it would actually make more sense. Um, I don't know. We'll work on it. We have a lot of time to, to make up t-shirts that we're not going to end up printing because Darius Dyson run for 300 yards. Um, so, yeah, Miami, I think uh, the only thing that you really have a knock is that, like, no one goes and no one cares. Um, which is uh, something that's pretty... Um, although, by that point, if Miami's, like, undefeated at that point, maybe people will be into it, so that'd be good. Um, after that, I'd probably go... See, the other three, like, Florida State, like, doesn't have... It's a power 
it doesn't have the same rep for like game day atmosphere I mean, as some of the other good ones. It's a decent one. Like the tailgating. It's not right? bad. Yeah, right. The in game, the in stadium atmosphere is great. Yes. So I think you'd probably go that three. The thing is, like all three of these, we play every other year, so you have a lot of opportunities. And that's the only thing that I'm putting Miami ahead of the other three. Um, I've heard good things about Louisville as a town. And if this is basketball, Yum, Yum Center is definitely one of the places I want to go ahead of a lot of the other ACC places. Um, not as, uh, like, biting my you know, nails to go to Papa John's Stadium. or pa- Is it PapaJohns.com? Or oh, no, what? it's just Papa John's. It, it's I just Papa John's. That was the old poll. This one's Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. Okay, Papa John's Cardinal. I knew there was uh, an additional element to the stadium name. Um, let's... Uh, Maybe you bump NC State ahead of Louisville just as it's more winnable. I think um, it depends on if you've been there yet. That's the other thing. That, that's tough. I haven't been to any of those. Um, I haven't been to any of these five. So I would probably go LSU, Miami, Florida State, and then give NC State an edge over Louisville, even though I, I've been to Raleigh and I haven't been to Louisville and I'd kind of like to go stuff there, like the, the like against the brain and, and some of the distilleries. Eh, I don't know. I think these are all decent trips. I don't think there's any, like, bad trip in these. I think there, there's stuff to do in all of them. Most of them are going to be at least decent. Miami might be the worst atmosphere, especially if they've lost a game by then. Um, but overall, I think LSU is the, the move if you have one. Yeah, I agree with that since that's the decision I made. Um, although I might have... I could always stretch it to two depending on when the NC State game is. And that's always... Then, again, that's not a... That's not an everybody thing. That's a me thing because uh, every other year I'm in North Carolina for uh, Thanksgiving with my family. Still not super close, but we fly into Raleigh because uh, it's our best chance of A, finding a reasonably affordable flight, and B, flying direct. We bring our dog. So it is not really easy, although we're doing it this year, uh, to do a uh, layover anywhere because there's not really anywhere for the dog to, uh, to pee. And he's not a big fan of that. Hates flying. Uh, actually, no. In this case, and likes peeing. Loves peeing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think in that case, um, James Arthur, my dog, has both of those things in common with, the, uh, with his namesake. Uh, <laughs> if, if I had to bet, uh, James Arthur Beheim probably <laughs> doesn't mind peeing and really hates layovers and flying. Yeah, there's no chance Bayheim enjoys layovers. Uh, who does, to be honest? Um, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna weigh in on the rest. Uh, I, I, I'd rather not speculate. Can't blame me there, um, because we are already past halftime potentially, um, and I've already said enough. My rankings quickly: LSU number one. Um, I, I don't think that would really matter or depend on um, whether you've been there or not. I think LSU is a pretty obvious one. Game day atmosphere, the whole deal, especially because this could be a night game. Um, seems pretty obvious. Um, number two, um, I would rank probably Louisville. Uh, Louisville's a great city. Um, you're probably not going to be staying near the stadium, unfortunately, because that's closer to the airport. Um, and But there's a lot of other fun things to do in Louisville. It's fun t- drinking town, the whole deal. Uh, NC State is a supremely underrated city. Um, it's also fairly easy to get to Raleigh. So, okay, number three. Florida State, four, mostly because we have no chance of beating them anytime soon. But, hey, maybe one day. 
Um, plus, it's not really easy to get to Tallahassee by any means. There's not a ton of um, affordable options for hotels. Um, and yeah. And number five, Miami. For all the reasons Dan stated. Yeah, I think that the, the one, not to like blow, sure. uh, belabor this, but like I think the one thing that sets Miami apart this year is because we don't play there that often. Right. I think if all things were equal between these five, I'd still have LSU one. I think I'd probably have Miami five. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right. So on that note, Dan, what have you been drinking? Um, I had a decent amount to drink this weekend. Unfortunately, most of it wasn't all that interesting. Uh, the only thing that was good was uh, I had a couple of making wits, uh, which I hadn't had in a bit, uh, with at dinner with my dad on Thursday. Um, other than that, a lot of macro brews that were bought for me at the bar. Not as much fun. And I had a, I usually am fine drinking those, but like I had just a Bud Light the other night that was horrible, and I just I could barely. I, it, it felt thick, and like I just couldn't. I didn't want to be like a snob because it was someone just gave it to me, but I was like, "This is just, this is just really bad," and it was like in a bottle, so I don't even know how it was worse than a normal Bud Light. But it was just a bad, it was a bad experience with a, a mediocre macro. Yeah, I don't really let my. <laughs> I don't let anyone buy me macro brews. The only time I'll make an exception, and I only buy them myself, um, is, I mentioned this before, Dodger Stadium. It's kind of pricey no matter what you're drinking. Um, so I'll usually settle for a, uh, a Budweiser, um, which is the only beer under $10 in the entire stadium. Yeah, like, I'm not going to usually complain. And I didn't complain. I drank it just like, I don't know what it was. It was just, I was not happy with it and usually if i'm like at the bar and i've had enough to drink i don't really care anymore but this was not the case on saturday or whatever that was fair enough fair enough um okay so beers that i have drank in the last week quite a few as always um had the breweries uh share this oc they have a share this series um where they uh they try to use uh, as much uh local product as possible usually work with uh, a couple different vendors or, or things like that. This one was uh, Share This OC, so they had um, local oranges, uh, vanilla bean, and uh, chocolate from uh, TCHO. Um, decent beer. It was an Imperial Stout. I like that one. Had a uh, Finally opened up the uh, bottle of uh, bourbon barrel-aged sexual chocolate from Foothills Brewing. I had and that was very very good had a, a can of surly uh, furious IPA that I had around here I don't know if you guys get them up there yet you might um, but Toppling Goliath uh, the famed Iowa brewery um, they distribute uh, a version of pseudo Sioux that was supposed to be the same but it is not because it is brewed in Florida um, that's okay. Still decent. Um, from Celador Ales up in uh, up in Hollywood Park, had their uh, in Principio uh, farmhouse ale. Stopped over at Monkish Brewing for uh, their uh, most recent IPA. Our names are deaf. Swung over to Smog City. Had some Grape Ape as well as their uh, their new session IPA. C Student. 
had a very good, um, actually the last one I had here, had a very good from uh, Brewery Tarot. It was a uh, Sour Brown Flanders. It was the, uh, these like Frenchish, Belgianish names. We're going to go with uh, Griffon uh, by Selwa. Let's go with that. Sure, whatever. Anyway, that was all the beer we drank. <laughs> the Big Ten is not going to get its due in this podcast. <laughs> and that's probably... That's fine. We hate the Big Ten anyway. But, uh, yeah. Dan, you may be muted. Yeah. Oh, didn't you hear me? Yep. We're good. I was waiting on you. All right. Cool. Anyway. Dan, why don't you, uh, why don't you wait in a little bit? Give us the, set the stage for the Big Ten this year. Um, so... The Big Ten this year uh, will probably look a lot like the Big Ten has the last couple of years. Uh, Ohio State is, I'd say, by far the most talented team. Probably the odds-on favorite to win it. Uh, they've gone to the college football playoffs two times in three years and just missed it the third year. Um, I think the biggest storyline for them is the uh, whatever we get from senior year JT Barrett. Um, he obviously was the starter... Uh, for most of the 2014 season when they won the national championship but got hurt before the Big Ten title or in the game against Michigan. And then, uh, you know, obviously it's history, Cardale Jones led them to the national title. That was his best year. Um, he took back over for Cardale midway through 2015 and then started all of last year. And honestly, like, hasn't been the same player in a couple of years. Um, he's relied more on his running while he was, like, a super efficient passer. And I think he finished fifth in the Heisman voting his freshman year. Um, I, he just hasn't been as impressive since. So, and and a lot, some of that is he hasn't had as much help because the team no longer has uh, guys like Mike Thomas and Ezekiel Elliott anymore. Um, so it's understandable. They don't have a game plan for uh, three different quarterbacks. They don't have a game plan for, yeah, that and also they don't have Tom Herman, which was probably a bigger loss than people think, which is funny to say considering he's you know, kind of shot up as the, the hottest coach in the country over the last two years. Um, so... I think Barrett, Barrett's getting, you know, passed along as like a mid, mid-tier Heisman candidate again, which is probably appropriate since we've seen a lot from him. But uh, looking at Bill C's chart, like the offensive, the, the whole radar chart on offense is very stark because Ohio State ranks extremely highly uh, in rushing despite losing L.A. last year. Um, quite high, highly in efficiency, uh, decent in explosiveness, but the passing just wasn't there. Um, it just was the, the uh, Barrett completed a lot of passes, but... There was this very little in terms of uh, down-the-field action, which a lot of that's losing Mike Thomas, who was one of the better downfield receivers in the country. Um, so that's a bit, of a, a bit of an adjustment. I, I would still bet on them just because the talent is second to probably only Alabama in terms of you know the types of players they bring in every year. Um, but uh, the defense is going to be really good again. Um, I'm not like super bought in on Ohio State as like a, a playoff contender again, although they definitely are one. Um, I just it, it's a lot like if Barrett plays the way he did his freshman year or takes a step forward from that I think they're going to be very hard to beat because he was so just so good that year uh, the last two just have been much less impressive so 
I think everything starts with him, which is what you can say about most teams with their quarterbacks, but especially with Ohio State this year. Yeah, I think that is a very good rundown of Ohio State, so much that I'm not really going to bother saying much else about them. Um, there, there are more interesting teams uh, down the down. Well, there are a couple. The Big Ten, I don't know. I never find the Big Ten all that interesting. Um, but there are more interesting teams in Ohio State. You kind of know what you're getting with them. Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, I think the only other two teams we need to dive into at length um, in this division, anyway, if we're starting with the Big Ten East, um, Penn State, I don't want to enjoy any part of them, but they might actually be... They might be a fun team this year, and I don't want to echo Bill Connolly uh, too much, but yeah, Penn State returns a lot just in general i know when i did my uh my very very early back when the schedules first came out um kind of rankings definitely had penn state winning this division i was not happy about it um you could easily interchange i think them or ohio state um in first place some might disagree with the easy part of that but i'm gonna go with penn state probably as the number one team in this division uh, you can pencil them in with an 11 and one regular season. I think Ohio State might actually get similar. Um, however, I think Penn State might beat them. Therefore, gets the tiebreaker uh, once again. Um, yeah, I think Penn State is a uh, is a terrifying, terrifying proposition for anybody on offense at this point. Uh, Joe Moorhead has really turned them into something of a uh, not exactly the team Syracuse wants to be because I think they're much more run heavy. But then again, maybe Dino Babers wants to be more run heavy. Knowing him, that's probably the case. Um, I think when you look at you know Saquon Barkley back, uh, you've got McSorley back. Like it's just there are too many weapons that really took people by surprise last year. Um, and maybe because of that, um, people are a little bit more ready for it. But at the same time, I think both of those players are very good. I don't necessarily think either is a Heisman, I wouldn't say contender. Um, I don't think either is going to be a Heisman top three to five. And I think a lot of people are, are looking at at least one of those um, in that, that general conversation. So I don't think you'll see them. But I think that both will be keys to why this team wins uh, the Big Ten this year, I guess, for the second straight year. Um, please, karma gods, if you're listening, do not, I repeat, do not give Penn State their second straight Big Ten championship. They deserve nothing. I, I definitely, again, I feel the same way. I, I think they're probably the most fun team in this whole conference. I don't like that they're the most fun team in this whole conference, um, but they do have a very good quarterback and Trace Sorley who got better as the year went on and just slings the ball downfield a lot, uh, which is fun. Uh, Saquon Barkley is maybe the best player in the country. I don't know that he's in the Heisman because it's tough for running backs and there's a lot of really good quarterbacks, but he's just very dynamic. Um, I would not call him the best player in the country. That player we already talked about. Sterling Hoffrichter? Oh, no. <laughs> Not on this podcast. Uh, the best player in the country is uh, is Ed Oliver. That's possible. I mean, I, I, I said maybe, and I, I'm I'm all in on Ed Oliver. Like that dude is uh, a freak. Um, I think what what's scary about Penn State and Barkley especially is that 
the offensive line, if you remember two years ago, back in the days of James Franklin might get fired at any moment, um, Penn State gave up a sack to Temple with uh, seven men blocking on a two-man rush. Um, the offensive line got better last year. It didn't get that much better. Like, they were decent. But uh, I think the run yards were, were not very good, and Barkley, uh, Barkley basically made everything happen himself. Um, the line was pretty young, so they should take a, a step forward, and if that opens up more for Barkley in terms of just his normal, like, four- to five-yard runs from versus, like, where he got, like, two to three on a lot of runs last year, um, that's going to be pretty scary. Uh, plus, you have McSorley just dropping bombs, and they still have a pretty good receiving core. Um my, my biggest question about Penn State is last year they were one of those teams that, that benefited from a lot of turnover luck, a lot of luck in general. Um, even the Ohio State win, like, while a very good win, anything to beat Ohio State, it's, it's great. Urban Meyer's only lost six times at Ohio State, which is crazy. Um, it was kind of fluky. I think they had two blocks in the fourth quarter. Uh, just weird stuff happened. Um, there's a chance that they are a, a regression of the mean candidate. Um, at the same time, they're also, like, fairly young, so there's a chance that they they kind of grow into becoming the team that their record uh, showed they were last year, even though they probably were more close to like a nine-win team last year in terms of you know how good they actually were. Um, so I can see that going either way. Uh, they might even be one of those teams that like ends up having a worse record this year and ends up actually being better functionally. Um, but I, th- I think they're, they're going to be fun no matter what. Uh, and again, it feels dirty to say, but it, it's just facts at this point. Um, I'm going to assume you mean the third team in the Big Ten East to talk about is Michigan and not any of the other ones. Oh, definitely not. Though I think if one of those programs were to jump up, people would probably pick Michigan State. I, on the other hand, would pick Maryland. Maryland's interesting. Well, hmm, that, all right. Maryland's not interesting. They Maryland should. beat... Maryland beat the teams that he needed to beat, they were supposed to beat last year, and they lost to the teams that they were supposed to lose to last year. Um, they were recruiting so well. They're recruiting really well. I don't know what that means for this year. I think in a year or two, that will tell us what we need to know. Um, I, I just still think Durkin was one of the best hires of that offseason. And I might even slot him in above Babers, and that hurts to say. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime that you play to, like, what... Anytime you play to expectations pretty unfailingly in your first year like it that's a good sign especially in the big 10 where there is a lot of move room to maneuver in the middle like below the top four teams um now maryland didn't like pick anyone off like babers did uh with virginia tech but i think you'd almost sign for like just be reliably good against the bad teams because you can set yourself up to play a lot of those bad teams when you're a team like maryland 100 and that's all we need to say about the terms um we're gonna mention michigan and even if we didn't, I would still, and still am, putting Jim Harbaugh in the name of this podcast uh, because page views, um, and also because Jim Harbaugh is a lunatic who will have Michigan in the college football playoff um, within the next two years, and he will probably have the Wolverines winning the national championship within the next four as long as, big caveat, he is still there. Yeah, that's my big question. Is is I, I just I can't imagine a universe in which Jim Harbaugh doesn't get the bug to go back to the NFL and try to win a Super Bowl. That being said, he's so fiery and so energetic that that you know he could be a Michigan for ten years before that happens, and then 
he's like, I'm going to go give the NFL five years at the end of my career and see if I can do it. Um, but Or it could happen in, like, two. Nothing would shock me with him. He's just so enigmatic. Um, Michigan's really interesting. Uh, they've, it's, they've been so good under Harbaugh right off the bat uh, for his first two years. Like, it's, it's pretty remarkable that he – and I know Brady Hope didn't recruit poorly – like, it started to tail off at the end, which is what happens with coaches who are going to get fired, and everyone knows it. Um, but he brought in some really good players. Harbaugh did really well with those players, and he's recruiting better players, at least by the numbers. Uh, obviously, they don't usually work, they don't always work out, but you know, usually it's pretty a pretty good indicator. Um, this year is kind of that weird valley year between, like, having the best Hoke players and then having the best Harbaugh players hitting, like, their junior and senior seasons. So I think, on paper, it would make sense for Harbaugh to slip to, like, eight or nine wins this season. Um, I don't know that I would bet against him winning ten again. Yeah, I I could very easily see this team winning ten games. Um, I think we're gonna see Michigan. Is there a way that that Ohio State and Penn State can go eleven and one, and Michigan can go ten and two? Uh, uh, I mean, probably. probably. Um, with beating both of them? Uh, no. I've got Michigan trouncing P- Penn State again, um, and I think they find a way to lose something else. I they lose to Florida State. and lose to Ohio State? Oh, they're not losing to Florida. Okay, so where do you get a loss? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't have the schedule in front of me. A weird Michigan State loss, like they almost had last year? Who do they have cross-division? Uh, not, I don't know. Let me look. Good radio. Oh, I type in FP schedules, and by some weird magic, uh, Michigan was the one that popped up by default. Um, so they're 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 yeah, ugh, their schedule. They have the the neutral setting is Florida, which they should win unless Malik Zaire is a monster. Uh, they host Cincinnati, which Cincinnati won't be good. They host Air Force. They're at Purdue versus Michigan State at Indiana at Penn State, which is tricky. Versus Rutgers versus Minnesota. At Maryland, at Wisconsin, which is really tough, and then versus Ohio State. There's the other loss. So you have them losing two down the stretch before the. So you basically have them opening ten and zero and 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 finishing zero and two. Hundred percent. That'd be that'd be really rough. That'd be really rough, and it would also be like one hilarious bit of like, I mean, people would want to murder Jim Harbaugh if they started ten and zero. They'd want to. You would him. definitely get your first like. I don't know if Harbaugh can get us over the hump, people. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, that would be an absolutely ridiculous stance to take. But I guarantee if that happens, if that plays out, you will get people being like, Harbaugh can't win a national championship. And that would be really funny. And I kind of hope, hope it happens now. <laughs> you know, and like, just think, I mean, think about the content. That's all I got to say. Think. I'm always thinking about the content. I will... I will write a post on every single semi-national personality who calls for Tim Harbaugh's job. Um, individual posts. Um, I will say the, the the mission has one of the most interesting storylines in the Big Ten this year in that Jim Harbaugh basically gave a very, very non-pledge of public support to uh, incumbent starting quarterback Wilton Spate after the spring, where he said he was the number one quarterback out of the spring, but it's a meritocracy because Brandon Peters basically outplayed him in every facet. Uh, so, Wilton Spate might lose his job, even though they just had a really good season with him starting. There'd be so many entertaining jokes if, for some reason, 
if for some reason a jim harbaugh never finished his senior year at michigan and b if jim harbaugh never went to the nfl uh, because you know full well who would be under center in the final two games of this season who would that be jim harbaugh <laughs> just wearing someone's number wearing john or corn's number he wouldn't even need to to think about it like he would need to now but Again, if Jim Harbaugh had never played a senior season at Michigan and or never been drafted in the NFL, prove he doesn't have any eligibility left. Hmm. Isn't there a gap? Is, is there a gap? Uh, is there a, a number of years between your junior and senior year that you need to complete your college football career within? I sincerely doubt it. Wait, do you think the NCAA hasn't thought of a thing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, loophole, what's that? Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I support Jim Harbaugh. I'm surprised Jim Harbaugh hasn't played in spring games yet. How do you know he hasn't? That's true. I haven't watched the, I haven't watched the entire thing, so I'm not going to pretend like I've seen every snap of mission in spring games for the last two years. Three years, I guess. Exactly. Um, all right. Before we move on to the West for a very brief description of what the hell goes <laughs> on there, um, Dan, who is winning this division? I'm going to be boring into Ohio State. Uh, Penn State is more fun. I can't call them like the. I mean, if they, if they were like they, Penn State's the more fun team with really bad branding. Like if that was if that was like some random other school in Pennsylvania, I would definitely pick them. But I can't bring bring myself to do that. Plus, like I can't imagine Ohio State losing a tiebreaker again with all the talent they have. And then Urban Myers is really good. So I'm gonna. I think it might be another like crazy close situation. I'm gonna go Ohio State, even though I'm not in love with them. Um, their defense is really good, and I think that's going to probably be the, the, the differentiating factor between them and Penn State. And I think Michigan is just just far enough behind this year with uh, a team that lost, like, a ridiculous number of players to the NFL. I think in the next two years, Michigan's going to be a real contender to win this thing, though. Just this year should be a bit of a down year. Yeah, I have to agree on Michigan, and by down year, I still mean 10-2. and two. I'm picking Penn State. I think Penn State's defense is also very good. Um, and I think it's enough to get that offense where it needs to go because the offense is already pretty good. Um, I also cannot wait until we find out James Franklin cheated for some reason. And that could be recruiting. That could be something else. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, it's not going to be It's not gonna be whatever the hell happened under Paterno. Uh, we know that. Um, but it could be something. And nothing will thrill me more than... Penn State getting several Big Ten titles taken away. Anyway. That uh, it would, I guess, it'd probably be worth it for you if, like, to have to sit through all the Penn State Big Ten titles. I just, I don't know. I think Penn State's window is closing because Ohio State's recruiting isn't dropping off, and Michigan's is just getting better. I think Penn State needs to like make their move this year, maybe next year. Oh yeah, I mean they're not winning a title, and I think, I think no matter what happens, they're gonna get their ass beat by whoever they face in the playoff. But I will pick Penn State to win the East, and that's fine. Moving on to the West. Um, there's <laughs> the only, Big Ten West, sure, always so interesting. Only one team can win this division, and that is because only one team has proven themselves able to actually do anything coming out of this division. Sorry, Iowa. Well, I, assume, I assume you mean uh, P.J. Flatblood, Minnesota? Um, yeah, and to be honest, um, all right, to keep this short, 
I think Wisconsin wins it. I think Iowa comes closer than you think. I think that after that, Northwestern three, Minnesota four, Nebraska five. And then I've actually got Purdue finishing over Illinois because I think Illinois could go two and 10. Illinois is definitely one of the worst and also the most boring team in this division, uh, which is an accomplishment. Um, I like Wisconsin as well because I'm not stupid. Um, Minnesota is interesting because they have P.J. Fleck, who is fun. I don't know what P.J. Fleck adopting a team with some talent going to look like because at Western Michigan he took over a really bad team and transformed it really quick. So I don't know that we're going to get like one of those takes over another uh, school coach's players and makes them like pretty good right away. Um, but maybe. Uh, we just don't have that experience with them. I hope that P.J. Fleck gets another job really soon because I want him somewhere fun. Uh, I wrote an article this week. Uh, just some like speculating on who the next coach for a bunch of teams is going to be, and I had him going to Miami because that feels perfect. Um, Iowa is the most Big Ten West team this year in that they might not have a quarterback, but they're going to run uh, a team wildly like a million times. Uh, Nebraska, I think, is the wild card team here because they are banking on a Tulane shout out to Tulane transfer quarterback Tanner Lee, who for some reason has this crazy hype train behind him uh, this off season. To the point where he at, at the Manning Academy, I forget who said it, uh, some some national football analyst said that Tanner Lee was the most impressive quarterback at the Manning Passing Academy, which features like every quarterback that matters in college. Um, and if he fails, uh, Patrick O'Brien and Tristan Debia are both uh, pretty highly ranked former recruits uh, waiting in the wings. And then they also brought in Bob Biacco, who is going to change the defense from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Um, he's been a good defensive coordinator in the past, a really bad head coach. Uh, shout out to, to uh, we, uh, we Take the Stairs on Twitter, uh, Bob Diaco's number one fans. Um, I, I was all in on Bob Diaco when he was Notre Dame's defensive coordinator. I have, I don't know if, like, maybe he was just doing well because Notre Dame had a lot of talent, but we'll find out this year because they are moving defenses, and that could either mean that they're going to get better, even though they were pretty decent on defense already, or this might be a really bad transition year for them on that side of the ball, in which case, who knows what this team's going to be. Like, Nebraska could win four games or they could win nine games. Neither would really surprise me. For some reason, I hate Nebraska. I don't really know why. Um, I think that's you just have that hate in your heart, John. I do. I, I, got, that, I got that hate in my heart. Um, I also, as everyone knows, have uh, random reasons slash none sometimes for hating teams. And I have a much larger list of teams that I hate than teams that I can like other than Syracuse. Don't know why. This has always been the case. Anyway. Um, Dan, do you refute my point that Wisconsin will win this division going away? Or maybe not. Who knows? I don't know about going away, but I think they'll win it by two games. Well, I guess that's, like, pretty going away in college football. I think Wisconsin wins it without too much of an issue. Even though I'm not, like, super excited about this Wisconsin team. All right. And to close up this lengthy conversation, Dan, who wins this division? I mean, not division. Conference. Uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm going to pick Penn State, if only because Wisconsin just doesn't recruit at a level that will get them to the college football playoff. Um, You know what? Just as a note, Wisconsin, um, I I think last week, 
finished at least essentially finished their recruiting class for the year, which is amazing. They finished. They like filled all their scholarships that they had open. I think nineteen or twenty, and that's awesome. Until you realize that they did that, and their class ranked like twenty second, which means as soon as like Alabama starts to land players and like a bunch of other teams behind them, like Wisconsin's end up in the forties. Um, but good for them in, in, in the meantime, I guess. Yeah. How about somebody else in this division fight figures out how to recruit? PJ Fleck. PJ Fleck's gonna have like one ten when you're at Minnesota, and he's going to bolt. But for where? We've talked about this before. Where is he going? I'm telling you, PJ Rick retires. PJ fought to Miami. He's gonna host recruits on on speedboats. It's gonna be so good. He's he's gonna throw the oars away. He's gonna go to Miami, and he's going to be the most Miami coach of all time. And I still don't know if they'll, if they'll ever win the Coastal with him, but they'll have fun not winning the Coastal. I really wish he could just go to like, because McIntyre is gonna leave Colorado at some point. I don't know to where, but he's gonna leave. Are you saying that PJ Fleck is going to be a? Uh, he's going to be the first college football coach to find a way to legally give recruits weed. <laughs> Buffaloes, let's do this. Because they would immediately sign a top ten class, and it'd be great. <laughs> so here's the situation, and I can't believe no, I can't believe we're doing this. Um, we spent like 20 minutes on punting, so I think we can do whatever this is. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, the scenario. Here we go. Um, hmm. Jim Mora goes five and seven. Colorado goes six and six or so. Maybe they face UCLA this year. Um, and they beat. Okay, if if they face UCLA this year, Colorado beats UCLA to make a bowl game. Suddenly, Jim Mora is looking for a job. And guess who UCLA hires? PJ Fleck. Mike McIntyre. Oh, okay. I should have. I don't think I was paying well enough attention. Uh, Mike McIntyre to UCLA. Okay. Colorado's looking for a coach. But they don't want to go back to the dark days of what they used to remember. So who do they hire after Minnesota goes... Let's say seven and five. I mean, if this is the next couple of years. He's hired PJ Fleck. Like it just there, there's rivers in Colorado. He'll make it there. Yeah, this is next year. He's mapped up the tributaries. <laughs> next year, let's do this. PJ Fleck to Colorado, so you can be lovable forever. They will never fire him. <laughs> He will, they'll just be like, win eight games every other year, and you're good. Uh, now, who would take the Minnesota job? Because it would not be as fun. Rutgers offensive coordinator, Jerry Kill. <laughs> uh, Minnesota finds a way. <laughs> Minnesota finds a way to legitimize hiring Chris Ash. And then who's, I don't know how far we want to date this, but who then does Rutgers hire? Randy Edsel. Oh, yes. Yes. Back to the drawing board, you can. <laughs> and then Randy Edsel hires Kyle Flood. Or UConn hires Kyle Flood. UConn hires whoever. Or. UConn hires Randy Edsel's son. Oh, my God. <laughs> For he gets you $100,000 a year, though, as head coach. 
Yeah, because all this will transpire. <laughs> it's a five thousand dollar race. <laughs> all this will transpire, but like the last part of this will transpire on like January twenty ninth, and the only way UConn's keeping the eighty ninth rank recruiting class in the country. Gotta hire Andy Etzelson. Brett Lashley would be so mad. It would be the best. No, they'd clearly hire noted Kinetic Cutter Paul Pastoloni. Pastoloni back. Gotta, gotta keep the momentum. Well, I mean, that would be because uh, they'd find a way to free him from the basement of Steve Adazio. Before we go, where is Coach P right now? In a basement. <laughs> like, you weren't kidding. He's actually in Sibadazi's basement. Isn't he still at DC? Pastoloni? Oh, yeah, you're right. I had no. I don't think I knew he was, he was the D-line coach there. That's amazing. Yeah, remember? He had, like, that, that face where it looked like he had a gun to his head. I mean, you're a position coach at Boston College now. So, also... They just, someone, whoever is in charge of updating his Wikipedia page, just gave up. <laughs> like, they, they have that he's at Boston College now, but his, his like, actual, the body of his career just ended at the UConn stint. Actually, no, they, they have the Houston Texans D-line coach in here, and they, they resigned, and they're like, should we write about him going to, nah, we're good. That's so weird, because literally within seconds of the Knicks hiring, uh, what's his face, his GM? Um, he he was updated with like a, a gag update. Yeah, I guess more people care about that than whatever Coach P's latest middling uh, position coach job is. That's fine. All right, now we're done. Cool. Uh, <laughs> on that note, um, I'm John. That's Dan. Uh, you have, I guess, been listening to Troy Noons as an absolute podcast. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes and on Blog Talk and any other random, random site or app you may use. Dan, thanks again. And uh, go orange in just 44 days from the time we recorded this. And yeah, go orange. Go Sterling Hoffrichter. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.